Welcome back to another episode of the CG Business Advisor Podcast brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. I'm Scott Seidenberg. I hope everybody is staying cool during these summer months. We have a special episode here for you today, and it has to do with managing finances for college students and other young adults. And our guests today are two of CG's interns, Tiffany DeMonte and Dean Smolikoff. Tiffany is a senior studying accounting at Monmouth University. She interned with CG Tax Audit and Advisory this tax season. She is interested in taxes and personal finance, and she'll soon be graduating and starting her career in public accounting. Dean, meanwhile, is a senior accounting student at Monmouth University. He interned with CG Tax Audit and Advisory also this tax season, and he is soon to graduate and begin taking his MBA courses concentrating in finance. He has interests in financial advising and taxes. Tiffany, I want to start with you. How can young adults start managing their finances? Because we know how important finances are. Absolutely. Creating a budget and tracking your spending is so important. And it's the first step in managing your finances. It'll help you see exactly what money is coming in and where it's going out. And you can use that information to help reduce your spending in certain areas so you can achieve your financial goals. But what if you'd never created a budget before? Where do you start? So I use Excel to track my, my spending and budget, but you can also use apps like Mint, which is really popular, or you need a budget. You can even just create one in your notebook. What I like to do first is I list my income, and if you get paid the same amount every month, that's perfect. But if your income is a little bit more unpredictable, that's also fine. Just take an average of your last few months. So next, I would estimate how much your fixed expenses are, like this could be your rent, your utility, car payment, gas, groceries. Um, you might find that your expenses change from month to month, which is why I like to create a new estimate at the beginning of each month. And the purpose of doing this is not to tie up all your money so you can have any fun, but to be more in control and prioritize where you want it to go. Some people like to use the money envelope method to budget, but personally, I just use my list of expenses as a guide, and I try not to go over the limits that I set. So the difference between your income and your fixed expenses is what you have available to spend or save. And hopefully you have some money left over after that, because if not, you definitely need to evaluate if your current situation is sustainable. So debt repayment and savings should always be your priority after your fixed expenses. And if you have student loans, I highly, highly recommend trying to pay them off while you're still in school. And even if you can only pay like $20 a month or $100, it really doesn't matter. Start paying off your student loans. And if it's possible, it's also helpful to have a savings goal that you can contribute to. You can use a high yield savings account like Ali Bank or just a regular bank savings account is also fine. It's helpful to have a savings account that's linked to your checking, but shop around and see which bank offers the best interest rate and the least amount of fees. And this could be for an emergency fund, which is always really important. You can be saving for a car or even a vacation. But if you want to be really good, you can start contributing to a Roth IRA. What, what do you mean Roth IRA? Why should the students in college contribute to one? So it's a tax, a Roth IRA is a tax advantage retirement account where you can make contributions of up to $6,000 with after-tax money. And I know we don't want to start thinking about retirement right now before we even start our careers, but when you're young and you make contributions, the money has more time to grow in comparison to if you wait until you're in your late 20s to start. So essentially you pay the tax on your contributions now, and the money will grow in the account tax rate. And you can withdraw the principal of your contributions at any time. However, if you want to experience the full benefits of the Roth IRA, you should wait until you're at least 59 and a half years old. 
So we recommend investing in ETFs or index funds, which tend to be safer and perform better than investing in individual companies over the long term. And index funds are, are really popular and you're, uh, you're essentially investing in like a basket of stocks. But um, you know, even if you don't have the wherewithal to do this right now, based on you know, your current situation, just having this knowledge is also really important. So when you start your career and you start making money, you can already be aware of what's available to you. And yeah. if you have any questions about the Roth IRA, you can give the firm a call and one of the CPAs will be more than happy to explain it because there's always exceptions to the rules. And if you want to plan ahead, you can even use an online Roth IRA calculator to see how much you can earn based on your contributions and what age you start contributing. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I never thought about doing it in college, but why not start early and let that money grow? Uh, speaking of college students, Tiffany, what should they know about filing their taxes? So if you're, in, if you're earning income and taxes being withheld, you should be filing a tax return because chances are your income is not going to exceed your standard deduction. So you'll essentially get that tax refunded to you. And additionally, if you pay any student loan interest, you can deduct it on your tax return as well. And now the IRS is allowing a $300 above the line charitable deduction for tax years 2020 and 2021. Meaning even if you take the standard deduction, you can get an additional $300 deduction for charitable contributions that you make. So taxes, when you start your career, taxes are most likely going to be one of your biggest expenses. So it's important to learn which taxes are going to affect you and how you can maximize your deductions. It's important to get in the habit of tracking items like your charitable contributions, your medical expenses, how much interest you pay, because eventually you might want to itemize these expenses to lower your tax liability in the future. Dean, let's talk about how young adults get ready to make a big purchase, like buying a car. Are there risks for a young adult for buying a car? Absolutely. It's very important to uh, familiarize yourself with the risk of buying a car because it's such a big purchase and you want to avoid putting yourself in an unwanted financial burden. Uh, One risk that a lot of people are worried about when buying a car is buying a lemon. And this is a car that will consistently need repair. And in order to avoid this, it's really important to ask the dealer or the previous owner about any known issues with the car in the past, because those issues might resurface or they might've caused other issues that will come in the future. And there's another risk called the bait and switch. This typically happens at dealerships. Some dealers will lower the monthly cost of the car that you can't afford in order to get you to purchase it. And they do this by adding years to the financing, which will increase the amount of interest that you pay in the future. And you're gonna end up paying more money than you thought for the car. So what's the first step then? What should someone do to begin the car buying process? Well, if you plan on trading in the car that you currently have, it's important to understand that the value of the car that you're trading in before you receive an offer. And there are multiple sources you can check, such as Kelly Blue Book and Edmonds. These uh, websites will show you exactly how much your make, model, and year are worth. And you should also figure out what price you should we, you can afford. We can do that in the budgeting um, section that Tiffany talked about earlier. The next, the next thing you should do is get pre-approved for an auto loan. You can do this at a bank or a credit union. Dealerships tend to have higher interest rates on auto loans, so doing this elsewhere will likely benefit the buyer. Plus, dealerships might even try to undercut the loan that you received elsewhere, and this will put the buyer in a better position. Mm, That's interesting, going third party instead of going uh, directly with the dealership. So how do you know the right price, Dean? 
Well, as we discussed before, budgeting your expenses is important to achieve financial comfort. So typically, you don't want to spend more than 10% of your monthly take-home pay on your car payment. And you also don't want to spend more than 5% of that pay on car expenses like gas and repairs and insurance. So it's important to do these calculations before you go into a dealership and put yourself in a situation you don't want to be in. So let's talk about things to avoid. When you go to the dealership, you want to keep these in the back of your mind, some things that you want to avoid as you're trying to purchase your vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you shouldn't feel like you have to buy today. Buying a car is a huge deal and you can take as much time as you need to get one. You should buy a car. You shouldn't be sold one by a dealer. Uh, you shouldn't let dealerships negotiate monthly payments with you. It's important to know your max payment before you even look at the cars. That way you can know what you're going to get yourself into. And the dealerships also tend to tack on additional features at the end of the process after you find the car and after you find a price that you want. This could immediately take it out of your price range and you might not even realize it until the very end. And you shouldn't let the dealerships run a credit check on you if you're not certain about buying the car because this could possibly negatively affect your credit score yeah i listen the aftermarket uh, insurances and stuff they try to tack on after you negotiate the price uh always decline those always decline those that's how the dealership makes their money uh but let's talk about other things that young uh adults college students after college uh, after college graduates uh, are going to be getting into like renting a home uh, how should a college student or a recent graduate go about doing that yeah just like a, a car renting a home is a big it's a big purchase and uh, it's a long-term commitment with a lot of money and legal issues that can arise. So it's important to know what to look out for before you start getting yourself in a contract. Yeah, so where do you start looking? Well, I think that realtors are great options because they can help find exactly what you're looking for and you don't have to pay them, the homeowner pays them. So it's only your benefit and they'll only help you find what you're looking for. You could also use websites like apartments.com and Zillow to look for rentals. Those can uh, show you what the house is before you even get there. And they're great options. Okay. Uh, so how do you know how much you should be paying per month? Typically, people like to spend less than or equal to 30% of their monthly take-home pay on the rent. So if you're earning $2,800 a month, you should spend around $840 for your monthly rent. Are there any tips to finding a more affordable home? Absolutely. I think in college, especially roommates, living with friends can often make the price of renting a home much cheaper and it can make for a great bonding experience too. Though living with people can be difficult, so make sure your roommates live similarly yeah. how you want to live. <laughs> uh, what about some things to look out for when you're going to check out places? Unfortunately, some homeowners are shady and will want to take advantage of their tenants. So you want to make sure that they take care of their home before you get yourself into a situation. Uh, you shouldn't rent a house that has any of these problems like mold, leaky pipes, ceilings, roofs, structural damages, uh, dated utility appliances like air conditioning units, heated uh, heat heaters, water heaters, and more things. These can run up your bill or leave you with cold water, which is just not something you want to be dealing with. Yeah, no. Uh, so finally, Dean, uh, what should you do when you finally move into your new place? Well, if it does have any small damages that aren't a big deal, you should take pictures of them because you don't want to have your security deposit affected at the end of the year for something that you weren't even responsible for. Uh, it's also important to realize your rights as a renter and that the landlord has to provide you with 
a safe living condition. If there are any problems with the house while you live there, you need to communicate with the homeowner and make sure that they're not neglecting you and your other tenants. And would you recommend renter's insurance as well? Absolutely. I think it can only help. And it's really not that much money. I got it last year and I think I paid like $100. Tiffany, Dean, good job. Thank you. you. There you have it. Some great information from two of CG Tax Audit and Advisories interns. For more information and to find out how you may be able to get an internship for yourself or for a loved one, head to cgteam.com. Don't forget, you could subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And stay tuned for new episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. This is the CG Business Advisor.